Hello and welcome to the Imagineer Podcast, your unofficial guide to all things Disney. I'm your host, Matthew Kroll, and you're listening to episode 66 of the Imagineer Podcast. In today's episode, we are going to be discussing Star Wars Rise of the Resistance, located at Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, both at Walt Disney World and at Disneyland. Both attractions opened within the last month as of the recording of this podcast episode. Star Wars Rise of the Resistance opened at Disney's Hollywood Studios at Walt Disney World in December of 2019, and over at Disneyland in January of 2020. In this episode, we are going to break down everything about Star Wars Rise of the Resistance, including the backstory of this attraction, a scene-by-scene breakdown to share some of the special effects and interesting techniques that the Walt Disney Imagineers used to bring this attraction to life. We'll talk about the music, the cast members, I'll also share some details about the virtual queue boarding system, which has been used so far uh, for the first month of Walt Disney World's version and for Disneyland's version opening as well. And I'm also going to share a binaural audio recording of the full attraction experience. Of course, at the end of the episode, I'll come back and tell you a little bit more about how you can connect with the Imagineer podcast on all of your favorite social media channels and how you can help to inspire and create the future of this show. So grab some headphones, pull up your favorite armchair and enjoy this episode of the Imagineer podcast. When Bob Iger first announced that Disney would be building a Star Wars-themed land in Disneyland and Walt Disney World, fans had little idea what the experience would ultimately be like. As we heard more about this new land, we soon learned that Galaxy's Edge would feature two rides, Millennium Falcon, Smuggler's Run, and Star Wars Rise of the Resistance. The latter, which would open in Phase 2, months after the grand opening of Black Spire Outpost, would soon prove to be the most innovative, immersive, and jaw-dropping theme park attraction ever created. In fact, this 15-minute attraction is much more than a ride. It's truly a cinematic experience that makes you feel like you're living out your own Star Wars story in a setting that's both familiar and foreign. Even if you're not a Star Wars fan, Rise of the Resistance will captivate you with mind-blowing technology and special effects, thrill you with a ride system never before seen at Walt Disney World or Disneyland, and emotionally connect you to your own Star Wars story. Because of the depth and richness of this attraction, I really had to do my homework on this episode and was amazed by the information I learned. I am so excited to share this knowledge with all of you And like most attractions at Disney, everything begins with story. 
and so that is where our adventure will begin. In a hidden corner of Black Spire Outpost, located on the far reaches of the Outer Rim on the planet Batu, the Resistance has carved out a secret base just out of reach of the First Order. While Kylo Ren and his army of stormtroopers have been patrolling the area in search of this hidden compound, Chewbacca, Rey, Vi Marathi, and other Resistance fighters have been quietly making their way through the planet's largest settlement in search of new recruits to join the cause. You might even spot a member of the Resistance on your way to sample some of Cookie Tug's delicious cuisine at Docking Bay 7 Food and Cargo, or after successfully piloting the Millennium Falcon on a smuggling mission for Hondo Onaka. If you choose not to share the Resistance whereabouts with the First Order, you might instead decide to join the Rebellion and rid the galaxy of its tyrannical overlords. As you venture to the outskirts of Black Spire Outpost, you'll come across ancient ruins and the formal entrance to Star Wars Rise of the Resistance, under what appears to be an abandoned turret. As you journey through the forest, you'll hear the sounds of some of Batu's local flora and fauna. Unlike the busy marketplace where you can hear ships roaring overhead and the local citizens conducting their daily business, the sounds along the Rise of the Resistance queue are far more remote. As you enter a cave, you'll catch a quick glimpse of the eighth wonder of the world, the backside of water, a little tribute to Jungle Cruise, before the path leads you to a hidden tunnel that has been bored out by the Resistance. Making your way through the tunnel, you'll begin to hear radio chatter of Resistance fighters discussing their efforts to recruit new members for the Rebellion, without being caught by the First Order. Once you exit this tunnel, you'll officially be in the Resistance base, and will see their plans on light boards around the caves. In addition, you'll find fighter gear and weapons, all of which you'll get to see up close as you wind your way through the caverns. Before long, you'll encounter some members of the Resistance who will ask if you can be trusted to join the cause and take part in a secret mission. So secret, in fact, that they don't even know all the details. Those who accept the mission will then proceed into a briefing room where BB-8 is making final preparations for the journey. As Ray's theme from John Williams' Force Awakens score intensifies, we get an incoming transmission from the Jakku scavenger herself, who is being projected as a hologram in the corner of the room. Ray sends BB-8 to prepare Poe Dameron's X-Wing and thanks us for joining the cause. At this point, we learn the details of this secret mission. Finn has infiltrated a First Order Star Destroyer with a few brave recruits and has learned that the secret resistance base on Batu has been compromised. In order to ensure the future of the Rebellion, Commander Poe Dameron has organized a covert escape from Black Spire Outpost to join General Leia Organa at a secret base on Bakara. Rey urges us that we must keep the base a secret in order to ensure the future of the Rebellion. As her message ends, we get a live video transmission from Lieutenant Beck, who has been charged with leading our transport along with Resistance pilot Nine-Nub. Meanwhile, we learn that Poe and a squadron of X-Wings will be escorting us safely to Bakara. Before we can even grab a moment to think twice about our mission, the doors open and more Resistance-based recruits usher us to our transport shuttle, an intersystem transport ship, or ITS for short. As we walk across the covert, covert outdoor deck, you might spot BB-8 getting Poe's ship ready off to your right. Meanwhile, the ITS begins to fire up its engines, which are so powerful that we can feel the floor rumbling beneath us. Seconds later, the doors to the ITS open and we're quickly beckoned inside, where we find animatronic figures of Lieutenant Beck and Nine-Nub at the front of the ship. 
Although there's no formal place to sit, there's plenty of handrails inside. And while there's no view out to our left or right, just a door on each side, windows at the front and back of the transport give us a small glimpse outside. Quickly, the resistance team makes final preparations and Lieutenant Beck orders all ships to launch, at which point we literally feel our ships smoothly move forward and up. We swiftly leave Blackspire outpost behind and find ourselves in orbit moments later, where Poe and his quadrant of X squadrons of X-Wings are getting us ready for our jump to light speed. Suddenly, our ship picks up an unusual signal with a number of small craft heading our way. We raise the shields, only to discover First Order TIE Fighters have quickly overwhelmed our squadron. The floor begins to shake as the TIE Fighters fire on us. They take down Red 2 and Blue 5, and we suddenly find ourselves face to face with a fleet of Star Destroyers pulling us in with a tractor beam. Poe narrowly escapes and promises to come back for us with a larger group of Resistance fighters. Meanwhile, a transmission is beamed to our ITS shuttle from General Hux and his First Order commanders. Although Beck does his best to ensure we're simply on board a civilian transport, Hux isn't buying the lies and tells us to prepare to be boarded. What happens next deserves a second of pause. Up until this point, we've experienced what would otherwise seem like an enhanced version of a standard e-ticket attraction. We've journeyed to the outskirts of a land, walked through a queue, watched a pre-show, and boarded what would otherwise appear to be a second pre-show with a moving floor. After all, we're not even seated, we're simply holding on to handrails. As we enter the ITS shuttle, we board through one door on the starboard side of the ship and see a door across from us on the port side of the ship. Natural theme park instinct tells us that the next action will be that the door opposite the one we entered will open next. What happens next defies all logic. The door we entered on the starboard side opens once again, but this time we're not staring at the resistance base, we're literally in the middle of a star destroyer hangar bay. It's here that our story turns grim. As the doors open, a First Order commander boards our shuttle and demands that we exit the ship and proceed down the hall for interrogation. As the doors close behind us, we see the same exact shuttle we boarded in a totally foreign place. Did the ship really move? Are we really in space? I'll share those details in the next segment of this episode. Savvy guests will also notice that the background music at this point of the queue has changed quite dramatically to one of fear and uncertainty, a John Williams score frequently played when the First Order has the upper hand. We proceed through the hangar bay and glance at some TIE fighters and Star Destroyers flying off in the distance. The giant bay we have entered feels like the set of a Star Wars movie, only this time, we're the ones who need to escape. We proceed down the hall and get our first glimpse at the inside of a First Order Star Destroyer. After a quick wait, another First Order Commander separates us into small groups of 16 and assigns us each a color. Blue, red, silver, or orange. Although the Commander tries to get information from us Resistance sympathizers, most guests manage to be brave and keep the secret Resistance base secret. Before long, a door opens and we're brought into a room with no exit other than the one we've entered. We turn around and glance up at a second floor balcony where a stormtrooper is diligently guarding our cell. After a few seconds, General Hux asks the stormtrooper to leave and enters the balcony with Kylo Ren, who attempts to use the force through a convincing audiovisual effect to pry the secret base location out of us. Fortunately, we don't have to hold out long because Hux quickly learns that Kylo Ren is needed on the bridge. The two exit, and we suddenly find that a large hole is being carved out to our side by what appears to be a lightsaber. 
The hole opens and we find Finn's resistance fighters who were already hiding out on the ship, ushering us into one of two First Order prisoner transports in a secret room, each with an R5 unit to help guide us. We then learn that the colors we were assigned coordinate with one of the four rows on the two transports. The music intensifies, we buckle in, and Finn and Lieutenant Beck then communicate with us through a video transmission, telling us that they're here to help us escape and that we must keep a low profile to not get caught. At this point, the formal ride portion of this experience officially begins. The doors to our secret room open and our transports proceed together through the Star Destroyer. First up, Beck arranges for a prisoner transfer to cover up our escape and two empty prisoner transports take our place. Impressively, this transfer is not only story-focused, but also operationally driven. The empty transports are two vehicles that have left unload and are proceeding into the room we just left to take our place and load more guests. It's the first time I have personally ever seen an isolated load area like this on an attraction and is so simple and so brilliant that it deserves another moment of pause and recognition. Okay, back to the story. As we proceed down the hall, we narrowly pass by a probe droid without being spotted, and Beck urges us to quickly make our way to a set of turbo lifts to proceed down to the escape pods. Unfortunately, we enter the view of a couple of stormtroopers above the turbo lifts who realize what's happening and quickly begin firing at us. Our transports proceed back down the hall in search of an alternate route, and we find ourselves in a large hangar full of full-size ADATs. As luck would have it, First Order commanders begin to spread the word of our escape over an intercom, and more stormtroopers enter this large room and continue to fire at us. Fortunately, Finn is there to help in person and urges us to proceed up the lifts and head down to the escape pods. Unfortunately, the R5 unit at the front of our transport must have gotten it wrong, and instead of going down, we go up the lift to the next level above us as we hear Finn warn us, up is bad, up is real bad. We suddenly find out why. Depending on which transport you're riding, you'll get one of two experiences, from the front of an ADAT or the side. On the front side, two giant cannons lower into place and begin firing at us. If you're on the other side, you'll see a First Order commander quickly usher a stormtrooper with what looks like a bazooka who also fires at our transport. Either way, we narrowly escape and meet back up with each other at the bridge of the ship. There, we quietly sneak up on Kylo Ren and General Hux, who are discussing the prisoners, us, and the resistance. Kylo Ren commands General Hux to raise the shields, and we suddenly see out the bay windows that Poe has arrived with more resistance fighters, who begin firing on the Star Destroyer. Despite our efforts to remain quiet, it looks like our close proximity to Kylo Ren does not go unnoticed. He turns around and shouts, there's nowhere to run. With the help of our trusty R5 droid, we quickly retreat into a turbo lift. As the doors close, we see Kylo Ren walking toward us with his lightsaber. Moments later, we hear Kylo Ren land on the roof of our turbo lift and a spear, and he spears his lightsaber through the roof in one of the coolest visual effects of this experience. Our R5 droid screams and backs our vehicle against the wall, and the doors to our floor open just in time. There, we come face to face with giant Star Destroyer cannons firing off into space. We play a quick game of cat and mouse to pass by as they move forward into place and lunge backward with each shot. As we proceed down the hall, we begin to see the First Order has sustained some damage as holes have been blown through the walls. We then finally come across another video broadcast from Finn, who frantically warns us that the Destroyer is about to, only before his transmission is cut out. Suddenly, an ominous voice behind us booms, there is no escape, 
Of course, it's Kylo Ren who uses the Force to spin our transports around closer to him. Again, he attempts to use the Force to pry the information out of us, but cannot hold his grip for long as a damaged fighter jet crashes into the wall of the Star Destroyer behind him, forcing him to lose his grip and sending a tunnel of wind through the room. We hustle toward the escape pods and enter one of four available pods. The doors behind us close as we watch other escape pods out the window drop out of place. Second later, we do the same. The escape pod literally drops, and we feel ourselves plunge downward for just a second. Fortunately, the Resistance has programmed our escape pods to get us back to Batu, so our pod quickly flies on autopilot past the battle and through the atmosphere of Batu. We crash land back on the planet near Black Spire Outpost, and our transport shuttle backs its way out of the escape pod. We suddenly find ourselves back outside and see that Lieutenant Beck has managed to make it back to Batu in his escape pod as well. Finn congratulates and thanks us, and then formally welcomes us to the Resistance. Meanwhile, Beck confides that thanks to our bravery, the location of the secret base is still hidden from the First Order. With the help of some triumphant John Williams music, we make our way to a dock where some Resistance fighters are waiting to help us off our transport and back into Black Spire Outpost. As you can probably tell, Star Wars Rise of the Resistance is unlike any attraction you've ever experienced before. In fact, I would dare to say it lies in a category of its own. With an immersive, multi-stage queue, insanely talented cast members, two pre-shows, two formal rides, countless audio animatronics, full-size stage sets, unbelievable projection mapping technology, and one of the most brilliant attraction storylines ever executed, Rise of the Resistance truly puts you in the middle of a Star Wars story and makes you feel like you're living out a recognizable and yet unfamiliar scene from a Star Wars movie. The feeling is so difficult to describe, even despite my efforts here, that you must make the trip to see it for yourself in person at Walt Disney World or at Disneyland. Even if you know nothing about Star Wars or couldn't care less about the movies, the story that the Walt Disney Imagineers have created and executed in this experience is so universal and relevant that anyone will feel emotionally connected to its outcome. So much so that my heart was racing and chills went down my spine even as I was just thinking back on the attraction in preparation for this episode. It's the first attraction at Disney where I truly believe Walt would turn to his Imagineers and say, what took you so long? So let's take a few minutes now to connect this attraction story with the technology and effects that Scott Trowbridge and his team put in place to create Star Wars Rise of the Resistance. At its core, Rise of the Resistance is a trackless dark ride. The attraction is the first of its kind at Walt Disney World or at Disneyland, but has been seen previously at Disney parks around the globe with attractions like Mystic Manor at Hong Kong Disneyland, Pooh's Honey Hunt at Tokyo Disneyland, and Ratatouille the Adventure at Disneyland Paris. For those who have never seen a trackless dark ride, it's literally just as it sounds. The ride vehicles glide around the floor without following a traditional track. Instead, signals are communicated to each ride vehicle that tell it where to move next, including to the front, back, or side. As a result, the vehicles have the ability to move anywhere along the floor in the X or Y direction and can even rotate or spin on command. They can travel on the same part of the floor more than once, dance with other ride vehicles, and move through various show elements as programmed. As first-time guests, this means you have no way of knowing which way your vehicle will move next. 
It also means the Imagineers can create a truly 360 degree experience since the vehicles can rotate and move to different parts of a show scene without the constraints that come with a single track design. What makes this particular trackless dark ride unique is that it's the first to travel on multiple levels, using the help of a series of lifts to travel up and down on two different floors. It's also the first trackless dark ride to be combined with freefall and motion simulator elements, which together create the 20 second escape pod sequence at the end of the ride. The end sequence is one of the most revolutionary parts of the attraction, and yet the idea is simply one step beyond the original Tower of Terror design at Walt Disney World. With Tower of Terror, a guided ride vehicle moves forward into an elevator car and locks into place. The elevator car then uses powerful motors to accelerate up and down the elevator shaft. It's a technique that we talked about in the Tower of Terror episode of Imagineer Podcast, which I of course encourage you to go back and listen to if you haven't already. With Rise of the Resistance, a similar technique is employed with one crucial step added. First, the trackless ride vehicle moves into an escape pod and locks into place, at which point the doors close behind you. What many guests don't realize is that the escape pod is actually a motion simulator that is locked into an elevator shaft. Motors at the top of the shaft then simulate a freefall back to the first floor of the show building. Once the escape pod reaches the first floor, the motion simulator sequence begins, creating what is essentially a much shorter version of Star Tours. After the escape pod in the story crash lands back on Batu, the doors at the back of the escape pod open and the trackless ride vehicle unlocks and rolls backwards out of the pod on the first floor. At that point, the escape pod resets and moves back up to the second floor to load the next trackless vehicle. Because the full sequence takes about 30 seconds to run and reset, the Walt Disney Imagineers created four separate escape pods, two on each side of the ride path, which allow the ride to maintain full operational efficiency. While two vehicles are experiencing the sequence, the other two towers are resetting for the next pair of trackless vehicles. As someone who easily gets motion sick on rides, I'd also like to ensure those like me that the sequence you experience at this part of the ride is tame compared to Tower of Terror and Star Tours. The drop itself is equal in intensity to the dark drop on Splash Mountain. Although it goes a little farther than you might think at first, it's smooth, it's a lot of fun, and it's over in just a second. In addition, the Star Tour sequence that follows only lasts 20 seconds and is the equivalent of light airplane turbulence. As a worst case scenario though, I found that closing my eyes made it really easy to handle this part of the ride. Moving back to an earlier part of the attraction, the other ride system you experience on Rise of the Resistance is what would otherwise be considered the second pre-show, the ITS shuttle that transports you from Black Spire Outpost to the Star Destroyer. While many may think that this part of the attraction is a stationary room that tilts and shimmies, similar to the old Living Seas Hydrolators at Epcot, the room you enter is far from stationary. Instead, multiple rooms are positioned on a large turntable that rotates 360 degrees. When you load onto the shuttle and see and feel the spacecraft move, the room you're in is literally moving forward along the turntable. As the vehicle moves forward, the floor tilts, rocks, and shimmies to simulate these various actions happening on the screens to the front and back of the ship. By the time the shuttle lands on the Star Destroyer, the room you're in will have rotated more than 180 degrees, which is why you exit the same door you enter and how the Imagineers are able to convince you that you have truly been taken prisoner in space. Since this part of the ride is also a few minutes long, the room actually stops between load and unload, particularly during the space battle part of this experience. 
Of course, to keep this part of the attraction efficient, there are a few rooms located on the turntable, so as you load onto the shuttle, there's already another shuttle in motion, and yet another that's unloading guests on the Star Destroyer. For those who want to catch a glimpse of this awesome feature, look up a few photos of Rise of the Resistance from the air, find the physical ITS shuttle along the mountainous walls of Batu, and take a look at the circular wall that appears and disappears into the mountain. Or better yet, the next time you board the shuttle in person, take a quick glance down at your feet. You might notice the slight curvature of the gap below you, another indication of the turntable that makes this part of the attraction possible. As we continue to pull back the curtain of Rise of the Resistance, I have to applaud the special effects team at Walt Disney Imagineering for creating a spectacular example of how technology can be used to create magic. First, let's take a quick second to talk about the briefing room with the holographic projection of Ray. While many of you might first think it's an advanced version of the Pepper's Ghost effect, that's not quite how it works. Instead, the hologram is played on a screen located behind a two-way, semi-transparent mirror. You can see evidence of this mirror the next time you're in the briefing room. Pay close attention to the wall on each side of the table, and you'll notice that the back is a reflection of the front. To complete the illusion, the screen is placed at a slight angle compared to the mirror, which tricks your brain into truly believing what you see, just like magic. Next, let's take a moment to discuss the interrogation room. Disney took an old lesson to heart and paid special attention to the shadows, a concept animators tried to perfect when producing the 1988 film Who Framed Roger Rabbit. In most cases, an attraction would use a musion effect to reflect animated figures onto an angled piece of glass. However, Disney wanted to make the effect even more convincing and took the effect a step further. To cast convincing shadows on the ceiling, the Imagineers used projectors with animated shadows as light sources, which creates a truly realistic effect. Moving to the trackless ride portion of the attraction, we have to discuss the many laser blast effects. First, let's talk about the lasers themselves. While many laser blasts on the attraction are simulated using fiber optics on the ceiling or on the walls, there's one particular sequence that defies all logic. As you approach the first set of turbo lifts after the probe droid nearly spots your vehicle, you encounter two stormtroopers who recognize what's happening and begin to fire at you from above. As they do, it appears as if lasers are flying in midair. To achieve this effect, the Imagineers went back to an old visual trick, the same used with alarm clocks that make an LED timestamp look like it's suspended above the clock. To make this effect possible, large rotating fans spin at an incredibly fast speed, so fast that you can't see the blades, and at the time that the stormtroopers fire at your vehicle, LED lights at the end of the fan blink. As a result, it appears as if real laser blasts are flying in the air towards your craft. Because the action happens so quickly, your brain doesn't have time to comprehend what's happening, which creates a truly realistic effect. Meanwhile, the laser blast effect is completed by combining a few technologies. Projection mapping, mist, fiber optics, and rapid moving practical effects. In some cases, especially in the large ADAT hangar bay, projection mapping simulates laser blasts around the vehicle which is the same technology that Disney uses to project images on Cinderella Castle, the Tree of Life, and other large structures during the various nighttime shows. In other cases, this projection mapping technology is combined with the pull-away wall effect. The only case when I was truly able to see this in action was during the final Kylo Ren encounter. As the crashing ship blows a hole in the wall of the Star Destroyer, you might see the wall quickly rotate along a hinge until it's out of sight, almost as if 
A door has been blown open by the wind. A screen placed behind the wall creates a depth effect which makes it look like a hole has truly been blown into the side of the Star Destroyer. For those who have visited Hong Kong Disneyland, this is the same technology used in one of the final sequences on Mystic Manor. Next, let's talk about Kylo Ren's two lightsaber effects, which create some amazing illusions. The first time we see Kylo Ren's lightsaber in action is when we're retreating from the bridge of the ship. As we move backwards into the turbo lifts, we see Kylo Ren jump down into a tunnel in front of us, lightsaber in hand, and begin to walk in our direction. This illusion combines several effects. First, the lightsaber is actually a physical object, object floating in our direction. Second, Kylo Ren is projected onto a mirror. Third, the mirror slides toward us at the exact same pace as the lightsaber and the Kylo Ren effect, which makes it look like he's walking toward us. To complete the effect, the Imagineers use the same endless hallway mirror trick that they used on the Haunted Mansion when we see the floating candelabra near the beginning of the ride. In, the, in addition, the Imagineers flash bright lights in our faces, which makes it more difficult for us to see what's really going on there. Kylo Ren's second lightsaber effect doesn't happen much later. As the doors of the turbo lift close, we get a quick moment of silence as we watch the sides of the room project lights that give us the sensation of rapidly descending away from Kylo Ren. Just as we think we're safe, we hear an object strike the ceiling, and not even a moment later, we see Kylo Ren's lightsaber pierce through the ceiling and begin to carve a hole above us. This effect uses another real lightsaber prop, which emerges from a hole in the ceiling at just the right moment. As a lightsaber rotates around the ceiling, a rotating panel reveals a section of wall that's already been carved out, which makes it look as if he's truly about to force his way into the turbo lift. Of course, we escape onto our floor before that ever happens. Now there are two additional special effects I want to mention in this episode, and neither is a special effect in the traditional sense. First is the music. As I hinted at earlier in the episode, music and sound play a key role in telling this story. While the queue is mostly made of ambient sounds, the briefing room features some upbeat resistance music as BB-8 preps the room, followed by Rey's theme from The Force Awakens, which of course is timed perfectly with Rey's appearance on the hologram. As we move out of the briefing room toward the shuttle, we then hear pieces of the main title from Star Wars A New Hope, which really makes you feel like you're beginning your own Star Wars story. Once on board the shuttle, we continue to hear pieces of the main title from A New Hope and March of the Resistance from The Force Awakens which turns to the main theme from Star Wars Galaxy's Edge once the shuttle launches. Once the battle begins, we catch themes from Imperial Attack from A New Hope and the Abduction from The Force Awakens, and as we exit onto the Star Destroyer, we hear what sounds to be a variation and mix of Snoke's theme from The Force Awakens and the Emperor's theme from Return of the Jedi, which continues into the interrogation room with bits of Kylo Ren's theme from The Force Awakens. As the Resistance helps us escape from the interrogation room, we fittingly hear the March of the Resistance once again, which turns into a unique melody created specifically for this attraction as our prisoner transport escapes detainment. Throughout the first act of this trackless ride, we continue to hear variations of March of the Resistance and another theme, The Last Battle from A New Hope. Throughout Act 2, we get a blend of Kylo Ren's theme, Rey's theme, and Scherzo for X-Wings from The Force Awakens, as well as a taste of the main theme from Star Wars. As we approach the escape pods and crash land back on Batu, the final portion of the last battle from A New Hope plays in the background, making us feel like Luke on his solo mission to destroy the Death Star when the odds are stacked against him. 
To close out our adventure, the throne room from A New Hope brings us back to the unload docks, concluding our journey in epic fashion. Aside from the obvious match of melody and story, the other thing I hope you notice is how the Imagineers blended the music from the original trilogy and the last trilogy, which is the perfect way of resonating with fans of the new films, the old films, and everything in between. And yet, the music fits so perfectly with your experience that you probably won't even notice it unless you pay close attention. Instead, you'll really feel like you're on your own Star Wars cinematic adventure. The second non-traditional special effect I'd love to discuss is the cast members. As we all know, cast members play a vital role in the story of any attraction, but with Rise of the Resistance that role is taken a step further by making them true characters in the telling of your Star Wars story. Throughout the attraction, you'll notice that the cast members are looking to either recruit you on behalf of the Resistance, defend you on your journey to escape the Star Destroyer, or keep you in detainment and get you to tell the location of the secret base. Whether the cast members are playing the role of the Resistance or the First Order, their costumes, behaviors, and interactions with guests change dramatically. The First Order role in particular is rather challenging, since the cast members must speak brashly as they aim to frighten you into sharing secrets, but also must do so with an eye for courtesy and efficiency. Of course, it's easy to keep things efficient when you're rushing people from one room to the next, but it's difficult to remain courteous, and I believe that the cast members found the perfect balance of show and courtesy in the First Order role. The next time you experience Rise of the Resistance, pay close attention to these cast member interactions and notice how a large role, or how large a role, those interactions play in the design of this attraction. Now before we close out this real in-depth analysis of Rise of the Resistance, I want to chat briefly about the virtual queue system. While it's certainly not a perfect system, it is far above and beyond the traditional queue process for a new ride. In the past, a new theme park attraction meant 10 hour waits or longer on opening day, with standby waits remaining several hours long for months or longer. Even with the most brilliant of queues, a multi-hour wait means guests have less time to enjoy other park attractions. With the virtual queue system, guests reserve a digital place in line while enjoying the rest of the park. When it's time for your party to board, the app notifies you to return to the entrance of the attraction and get in the queue with a minimal wait. To showcase the brilliance of this system, I want to quickly share our experience the week after this attraction opened. With a scheduled park opening of 7am, we took a minivan from our resort at 5.45 and arrived at the front entrance of Disney's Hollywood Studios 10 minutes later. We breezed through security, which had no wait, and proceeded to get in line behind a herd of guests waiting to enter the park with a few thousand people in front of us. Cast members opened the front entrance at about 6.15 and allowed us, to, uh, allowed us I should say, to proceed onto Hollywood Boulevard. Guests now have to wait for the park to officially open to get a spot in the virtual queue, as of the recording of this episode at least, but in our case, Disney was still allowing folks to reserve a spot moments after everyone in their party had tapped into the park with the Magic Band or card. At about 6.35, we entered the park. I already had the My Disney Experience app opened, had logged in, and was already connected as friends and family with everyone in my group. Once I got onto Hollywood Boulevard, I tapped on the Rise of the Resistance banner on the app, selected the members of my party, and received boarding group 50 with an anticipated boarding time in the afternoon. Sure enough, at 1.30, our group was notified and given two hours to return to the entrance of the attraction. As you'll hear in just a few moments on the binaural recording, our wait time until the first pre-show was under 10 minutes, with, a, with at least half of that time spent walking through the queue. 
To summarize this experience in one sentence, we waited seven hours to ride Rise of the Resistance that day, but only 10 minutes of that time was spent in a physical line. The other time was spent enjoying the rest of the park, riding rides, dining, and shopping around Disney's Hollywood Studios. There is a virtual queue option for those who don't have the app, but the process is very time consuming and can make it more difficult to reserve a spot in line. As such, I strongly recommend downloading the app and getting to the park before opening while the system is in place, and I really have to applaud Disney on creating a new way of waiting in line that is wonderfully efficient and courteous to guests who don't want to spend a full or half day waiting in a physical queue. So. Now that we've discussed Star Wars Rise of the Resistance in detail, I'm sure you can tell how much went into the design of this attraction. After all, I still really just discussed the highlights. There's a lot more to this ride than discussed and even more to discover when you experience it in person, which I strongly encourage you to do. Even for someone like me who suffers from motion sickness, I found this attraction very accessible and felt the dizziest surprisingly from the ITS shuttle since it rotates along a turntable without a clear point of reference even though it does so slowly and even then the dizziness, the, uh, dizziness I should say subsided in just a few minutes. It's truly the most brilliant theme park attraction ever created at this point and I cannot wait to see how Disney surpasses this blend of technology and creative storytelling in the future. At this point, I'd love to transition over to the binaural recording of Star Wars Rise of the Resistance with the virtual queue system in place. Other than a few minutes I cut out from the middle when we were waiting in the Star Destroyer halls, since that took about 10 minutes until we were assigned an interrogation room, the audio you'll hear is the full recording from beginning to end, along with our initial reactions after experiencing this attraction for the very first time. As with other binaural recordings, I strongly encourage you to enjoy this audio using earbuds or headphones, which will provide a 360 degree experience that will make you feel like you're in the middle of the action. And now, I encourage you to sit back, relax, and enjoy Star Wars Rise of the Resistance.
getting you to Vakara. Red 2, blue 5, keep tight now. Let's get ready to make that jump to light speed on my mark. Black Leader, we're picking up an unusual signal. Are you spotting anything? Yeah, I see it. We'll check it out. BB-8, what do you got? There appear to be a number of small craft heading our way. Raise the shields.
we got your color memorized. Good. Now when that door opens, we will start with blue, then red, then silver, and then orange. Strange creature with the ears. What planet are you from? We have four sets of ears. Very smart. You? What planet are you from? with your wire sticking out of you? Yes. He with you? Yes. Fix him. Blue, you're in first.
Those droids are programmed to return you to Batu. Hurry and don't get caught. Lieutenant Beck will guide you. Recruits, for your safety, stay seated with seatbelts securely fastened. Keep hands, arms, feet, and legs inside the transport and supervise your children. Tell them it's a prisoner transfer. Did it work? Good. Now get a move on. There's a clear path to the turbo lifts at the end of the hallway. Turn right. A probe droid. You're lucky it didn't spot you. Take those turbo lifts and stay out of trouble.
crews will meet you outside the wreck. All right, nice job, recruits. Not what you sign on for, but hey, you're resistance now. I think I have that authority. Right, Beck? Where's the lieutenant? I need eyes on Beck. I know. Scaffer is caught, Beck. The location of the resistance base is secure. Bravo! Yes, R5, you too. So? <laughs> Wait, we'll have to get this. So we just escaped the grips of the First Order. What do you think? Mind blown! <laughs> it was so amazing! Wow. Wow. I've not, no, wow. I, and I'm so proud of him. He did it. <laughs> he was so nervous. I was so happy. <laughs> it is uh, incredibly smooth. Uh, only two parts kind of got to me, it's but... It's so real, though. It's so real. It's, uh, it looks smoother than the POV footage if you've watched that, so... Motion sickness level, I'd put this below Flight of Passage. is not quite as hard as that, but, uh, it's not It's a Small World, either. I don't know. I think it was more intense than Flight. It's, I think it's accessible for any almost anybody to ride it. It's worth doing once, for sure. If I can go through it with my anxiety and motion sickness tolerance, <laughs> you definitely can do it. So do it. It was awesome. Amazing. With that, we close out episode 66 of the Imagineer podcast. I sincerely hope you enjoyed this episode discussing Star Wars Rise of the Resistance. It was the longest attraction outline I ever created, at least as of this point, because there really is so much to this attraction. And I certainly hope you heard that listening back to the binaural audio recording or have already experienced it in person at Disney's Hollywood Studios at Walt Disney World or at Disneyland. Of course, I want to hear all your thoughts and reactions, whether you have been on this attraction or not. Let me know what you love most about Star Wars Rise of the Resistance, perhaps your favorite part, your favorite special effect, maybe you love the whole thing. I want to hear what your reactions were, either riding this for the first time or listening back to this attraction audio and the rest of the episode as well. You can send me your feedback in, of course, many different ways. You can either reach out to me on social media by sending me a direct message on Facebook or Instagram at Imagineer Podcast, 
or on Twitter at Imagineer News. You can also reach out to me through our Facebook group, The Imagination, also called The Imagineer Podcast, Disney fan community. You can share your thoughts there with not only me, but other members of the community to get all reactions about Star Wars Rise of the Resistance. You can send me an email at imagineerpodcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out to me on LinkedIn and TikTok at Imagineer Podcast, or you can call our listener voicemail to leave your voice message because perhaps writing it out is not good enough. I need to hear the tone of your voice. You can call me at 516-406-8376. It goes straight to a voicemail. Just leave me a message there. I would love to hear your thoughts and perhaps even play it on a future episode of Imagineer Podcast. Speaking of the podcast, if you don't already subscribe to the show, be sure to hit that subscribe button. Whether you're listening in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, or any other podcast app, hitting the subscribe button. Make sure that you are the first to know when new podcast episodes become available. And one of the best things you could do for the show is actually to leave us a rating and a review in the Apple Podcast Store. We have over 225 five-star reviews in iTunes as of this point. I'm so incredibly grateful for that average five-star rating, and believe me, it has certainly pushed me to make this show even better for all of you, and I certainly appreciate you taking the time, whether it's five seconds to leave a a rating or 30 to 60 seconds to leave a review. It does so much to help us out and to continue to grow this show. But one of the best things you can truly do for Imagineer Podcast is a simple thing, just to share it. Whether you share out your favorite podcast episode or the podcast as a whole, or your thoughts about the podcast or a social media post on any social media channel in a Facebook or Instagram post, Facebook or Instagram story, a TikTok video, no matter what you do to share out the podcast or even just tell your friends about it. It does so much to help this community and I am so incredibly grateful to all of you who continue to share each and every episode. I see it and I appreciate it so very much. And if there's anything I can do to ever make this community better for you in return, or if there's any particular episodes you'd love to hear on Imagine Your Podcast, just reach out to me in a direct message or an email. I do read each and every single direct message and email personally. And if I if you do get a response, that's from me as well. I respond to every message I get. Um, so if you do have any feedback or thoughts, just feel free to reach out to me. And I'd love to hear how I can make this show even better for all of you. If you do want to take your love of Imagineer podcast one step further, be sure to join the Imagineer Society, which is over on patreon.com slash Imagineer podcast. Essentially, it's a VIP group where you help support the show financially to help with our expenses related with operating the show um, and any other expenses related to Imagineer podcast. And in return, get some exclusive perks and benefits. Such benefits include things like early access to podcast episodes, exclusive podcast episodes just for the Imagineer Society, monthly video calls where you get to chat with me and other members of the community in a virtual video call. We talk about all things Disney in a very casual setting as if we're sitting around a table together just talking about our recent trips or adventures or questions or thoughts. Really fun monthly video calls. Uh, You get a private Facebook group and so much more. You can see all the benefits by going to patreon.com slash Imagineer podcast. Thanks as always to all of our Imagineer Society members, including our newest member, Anthony. Thank you so much for joining as a sorcerer VIP, our highest tier right now. I really do 
appreciate it. Of course, be sure to check out our partners as well. The Kingdom Insider is the first one. Uh, Christy over at the Kingdom Insider has some incredible source of information and news, and she provides so many incredible social media posts and blog articles about all things Disney and many different Disney destinations. So be sure to check her out over at the Kingdom Insider. You can just type that into any social media channel and it'll come right up or go to the kingdominsider.com. And also be sure to check out Academy Travel. I have to thank Academy Travel once again because it was this trip that was hosted by Academy Travel. They put me up at the Grand Floridian and I was so grateful to have the chance to ride Rise of the Resistance the opening week as a result. But Academy Travel can help you as well. They've been diamond, they are diamond earmarked, which they have been for the last 25, or they've been doing this for the last 25 years, I should say. And diamond earmarked is the highest quality and highest level that Disney awards travel agencies. They are one of a select few, and they can really help you to actually plan out your vacation, help to save you a little bit of money, and do it all for free to you. Costs you absolutely nothing. So be sure to head to Academy Travel or Mickey Vacations by Academy Travel. And if you want a free quote, no obligation, just click on any of the links in the show notes below to get a free quote for Walt Disney World, Disneyland, Disney Cruise Line, Aulani, Disney Cruise Line, and other destinations around the world. Last but not least, I really want to encourage you as always to go after your dreams, do whatever it is that makes you happiest. I'm certainly happy and so grateful to all of you for letting me live out my passion and my dream with Imagineer Podcast. And I encourage you to do the same. Remember as always that inspiring quote from Horizons, if you can dream it, you can do it. Thanks so much for listening to the show and we'll see you again in a future episode of the Imagineer Podcast.